Amen. All right, back to Romans chapter number 12. We're also going to be in the book of Ephesians if you want to make your way uh, over there uh, briefly. We'll be there just to explain uh, kind of the structure uh, of the book of Romans. We see that same thing uh, in Ephesians. It's an easy uh, one to look at, so we'll take a look at that. And, you know, it should be our, all of our prayer to finish well. And when you think of that song, the words, and even how it fits into my message today, you know, when Jesus saved me, when he saved you, um, that was really the beginning of our Christian walk, our walk with the Lord. Uh, we're now born again. We're children of God. It wasn't the beginning for us. The Bible says even you know, before he formed us in the belly, he knew us, right? Uh, so we know that God's a sovereign God, and he's, he's known us all along the way. And, uh, and you may have got saved at, um, as a child. You may have got saved as a teenager, adult, whenever that was. God had a purpose and a plan. Uh, and, uh, and he, um, you know, like Paul, uh, he said that he was uh, born uh, really to preach the gospel of Gentiles. But, uh, but Saul, Paul, was really messed up uh, a, a lot before he got saved on that road to Damascus. And so all things work together for good. The way you were brought up in your homes, uh, you're not a product of your environment, you're product of your circumstance, of your, of your choices rather. Uh, but God used those things to mold and shape you. Uh, into the person you are, but uh, God saves us. Uh, but we can't finish well um, if we don't run the race. Uh, and how illogical is it that God just saves us, gives us um, a new birth, uh, and then we live a life between, between being saved and the time that we die, um, a life for self. Um, how We can't finish well if we don't run well. Uh, and we want to stand before Him and God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, um, but if we, want it, if we want him to say, well done, then we should have, well did. I don't know if that makes, that, where's Brother Omri? Uh, and uh, it just, it isn't going to happen unless we live for him, all right? Uh, so when we get saved, it's, that's not just, oh, I punched my ticket to heaven, and I can just do whatever I want because I can't lose my salvation. I'm thankful. I am thankful for eternal security. If you're thankful, say Amen. amen. But if it, you know, um, you know, there's a part of me just deep down, you know, whatever is kind of far down in there um, that almost wishes we could lose our salvation um, because because we would we would probably live a lot better for the Lord uh, if uh, if that was on the table. But because it isn't, um, we abuse the grace of God. Uh, we we turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Uh, we we dial it in. Uh, and that's not anything that looks like commitment. Um, it just isn't. Uh, and, and you say, all right, I know what this message is going to be. It's going to be a message where, you know, I need to think about God and live for God 24 hours a day. And I don't have any time for, you know, this or that or whatever. Um, uh, you're partly true. It's, you're partly right. Uh, it is a little bit about that. Um, but when, whenever somebody gets saved, bought with the blood of Jesus, redeemed, the Bible says we've been, we've been bought, we've been purchased with a price. And it was a very high price. Salvation is very simple. Uh, it's faith and trust in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Uh, but it didn't come cheap. And it isn't, free. it isn't free. It's free to us. It's a gift of salvation. But it cost, it cost our Savior. Uh, and it cost him dearly. Uh, and because of that, um, we, we, we're supposed to, according to the word of God, we're supposed to... Um, uh, Contemplate that, uh, like uh, meditate on it. Uh, Brother Allen ruminating, you know, in, in his, uh, uh, his camel impression. 
that he did uh, while he was here. It was impressive. Uh, and uh, I can't get it out of my head, and I'm thinking about it right now. Uh, and uh, to, to ruminate, to, to, to meditate on God's word. Um, and if you do that um, for a time, and then for years, then for decades, um, the, more you, the more you meditate on God and who he is, the closer to God you get. That's the principle that is borne out in Scripture time and time again. The longer, the longer you, if you have a Christian friend who, who says something to, along the lines, I've been saved for a long time and I've realized uh, I don't have to walk with God or go to church or, uh, you know, or all these different things, um, you know, like they've grown into lack of growth. They, they have, they're so spiritual that they don't need to be spiritual. Um, they, they err not knowing uh, the scriptures. So, so there are verses in our life when you got saved, hopefully, uh, like I have a life's verse from Galatians 2, uh, we talk about being crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Uh, that's something I would sign, uh, you know, uh, uh, to letters or whatever, Galatians 2.20. Uh, verses that, uh, that mean a whole lot uh, to us. I, I think of in the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 10, uh, turn there just really close to it, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus uh, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Uh, he says, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that year at, at camp, and I had heard the gospel a number of times before I was at youth camp. I'd been going to church with my friends. That was the rule. If you stay at our house on the weekend, if you're at our house on Sunday, you go to church. And that was a fair deal to me. Uh, and so I would go and I'd hear the preacher preach and uh, and. Um, but I was, going to, I was going to church, not, not necessarily for the right reasons, and my friends went there, and I would go, something to do. It's interesting to me. Uh, I was engaged in, in what I had heard. I would notice how they were different, uh, in not just look different, but they talked different. They were, uh, they were um, a, a family. It was, it was something that was interesting to me. Um, but it wasn't until I was at camp, and I heard the gospel preached, uh, that these words rang too, true, and I realized that I was a lost sinner on my way to hell, uh, and that if I believed uh, on Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God that came and died on the cross, shed his blood um, as payment for my sins, if I believe that he did that for me, died, was buried, rose again the third day, if I believe on him, he came, lived, died for my sins. Uh, the Bible said if I call on him, I'll be saved. And the, the soul winner illustrated, it's like, you know, the word shall. Uh, it's not hope so or maybe so or whatever, but shall. I called on him and I asked him to forgive me and he saved me. And that was Romans 10 uh, in that passage, verses 9 and 10 and verse 13, are a bench, they're benchmark Bible verses, um, not just in my own conversion and being saved, um, but they're, they're benchmark verses for everybody. 
Uh, so as we share the gospel with people and, and help them to see what the Bible says, uh, you know, as I was preaching in Sunday school, what must I do to be saved? You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not just believing that he existed or believing that he was, you know, uh, uh, you know on the earth at a certain time. Uh, he was a good man, but believe uh, that he was God in the flesh who died for your sins. And you place your faith in his finished work uh, and you accept the gift of salvation by calling on him, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And I did that uh, in 1987. Um, but, but a day later, I think it probably was, I think it was a Wednesday night. Uh, so it probably was Thursday. It might have the days it was been a, it's been a, a while. Uh, and, uh, but I, I heard the preaching uh, and in, in Romans chapter number 12 was part of it, either a verse that was mentioned in it uh, or uh, it was the actual text uh, that night, uh, but that also became a benchmark uh, for my life and how I understood what my life was supposed to be about now that I was, uh, I was um, regenerated, now that I was redeemed. I mean, I know that when something, when you buy something, it belongs to you, right? Uh, you know, uh, I've purchased it. I, uh, so Jesus purchased me. Uh, I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't have to understand all of the Bible, but what I, but I, but I got it. I understood that I was bought with a price, and I'm not my own. So there was a part of me that week where I thought, well, you know, I, you know, I've got plans and goals and aspirations and different stuff. Man, I was just uh, in a uh, 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 just a bunch of feelings and emotions and. Uh, and, and stuff that lasted all the way uh, through those summer months it's in the Bible and, and just trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what God, um, what was next for me. Because at that week when I heard that, uh, it, the passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, state the call to commitment so clearly. Uh, and uh, the logic of Romans chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2 is so compelling uh, that it went, it went straight to my heart. And I, I, I said, I have to be a living sacrifice, um, alive. See, in the Old Testament, when, when you, were, um, you were thankful, you gave a thanksgiving sacrifice, a thanksgiving offering. Um, and uh, we, as New Testament Christians, we don't, we don't do that, right? We don't sacrifice, uh, you know, uh, animals and those type. We don't do Thanksgiving offerings. The Thanksgiving offering, if you will, is the living sacrifice uh, that I give to God with my life. Um, so it went, it went, uh, I didn't understand everything. Uh, I, just, I just knew that's, that's pretty plain. And, and, uh, and so, so I just did it. I, I just said, here am I. I'll do whatever, God, whatever it is you want me to do with my life. Uh, and I presented myself, if you will, uh, that week at the altar, at camp, uh, as a sacrifice. Uh, and uh, uh, I knew just from the words, I, under, I understood what reasonable meant. Uh, and, and so, and so I, uh, I went ahead uh, and did that. And those verses, again, became uh, a benchmark. And so there's four things. Uh, that I want to uh, point out my four points, uh, and then I'll give all the subpoints uh, about that tonight. But the way that the Apostle Paul um, had written the book of Romans to the Roman Christians, uh, a couple of small churches, uh, house churches that were there, the first 11 chapters uh, deal with um, God's plan of salvation. Uh, 
just steeped with theology. We've been in the book of Hebrews a lot this year, um, and second to the book of Romans, very theological book. Uh, he deals with uh, how uh, there's none righteous. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're unthankful. Uh, Romans chapter 1, he just goes through uh, how reprobate we are, uh, and uh, everyone does that which is right in their own eyes, and on and on, our need for a Savior, then theologically teaches what God has done to provide for our salvation. And just like in Paul-like fashion, God uses uh, them as inspiration. Um, he kind of lays out his epistles this way. Uh, it's theology, then a doxology in praise, a statement that he makes as to who God is, and then a practicality uh, that follows that. So it says, here's the doctrine, here's, here's what that means, and, and now this. Uh, and he, he's doing that in chapter number 11, uh, of, uh, of, excuse me, chapter number 10 and 11 uh, in the book of Romans. Look at verse, uh, chapter number 11, uh, verse number, um, we'll just read just one verse, verse 36. So he's talking about salvation, how he's provided for it. And then he says this in verse 36 of chapter number 11, for of him... And through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's a doxology. He says it's, it's, it's of him and through him and to him are all things. Talking about the sovereignty of God. Uh, and he lays out the case for chapter number 12, verse number 1. He says, this is what I have done uh, to save your soul. Uh, and uh, shows the need. We have the Romans road. We've, we, we give that all the time or it's on our gospel tracks. Here's what I've, I've done to provide for your salvation. And then he, and then he says, in a, in a nutshell, all of it is, is, is by me, through me, for me. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's all, it's about God. I've done this for uh, my glory. And then he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in chapter number 12, uh, that, that means in view of all of this, in view of all that we've learned in the first 11 chapters, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present uh, your bodies a living sacrifice. So in chapters number 12, all the way through the end of the book of Romans, are dealing with practical things. Like we'll run through some of those uh, either tonight. Um, there's just a lot of them right, right in, this, in this verse. These, this, like, here's what you do, chap, verse number three down for a little ways. Um, this is what you do as a member of a church. And then he goes into verses like, this is what you do as an individual Christian. Here's your responsibilities. Because it's not about you. Um, I, I bought you. I've I redeemed you. I've purchased you. Bought you with a price. Uh, and, uh, and of him and through him are all these things. So he says, I beseech you that you present yourself a living sacrifice. And, and so we find the basis of this commitment uh, in verse number one, uh, and that is uh, the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God. Um, we, at the end of uh, uh, the choir number, in fact, let's, let's sing the, uh, hymn number 53 tonight, or excuse me, not tonight, right before the baptism, because it'll fit in perfect with this. When I survey uh, the wondrous cross. In fact, grab a songbook and look at it. <laughs> grab it real quick. This is a song by Isaac Watts, uh, written by him. And it's, it's familiar, but uh, the words... And by the way, this is, let this be a lesson to you, uh, that the, the songs that we sing in church, 
Um, we sing them for a reason. Um, and it's not to entertain you. Um, it's worship to God. And, uh, and, and it fits in exactly with what, what these verses are telling us to do. He says, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. So we think of, of, of when, when I think of the cross, when I survey, when I contemplate of the cross, on the, on the prince uh, of glory, um, all this stuff that I, that I count for gain, um, I count them for loss. They're vain, they're vanity. He says in verse 3, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and, flow, uh, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose a richer crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so d- divine, demands uh, my soul, my life, and my all. So here's, here's what God's trying to teach us in his word, which Isaac Watts um, uh, spoke of or wrote about, is the more I contemplate the cross, the greater my commitment to God is. The more I survey it, the more I look into it, the more I, I, I meditate on who God is uh, and uh, what Christ has done for me, uh, the, more, the closer I become to God, not, fur, not further away. My commitment to God is, is uh, it grows commensurate to uh, my meditation on God. So the longer I live uh, and the longer you live as a Christian, uh, we, the, the basis for that commitment, and again, it's an act. When you think of, okay, if I was to ask you the question, which will be the invitation question, if I say, are you committed to Christ? Uh, and uh, if you're saved, your answer should be yes. Yes, I'm committed. But then if the follow-up question was like, how? Explain that. Because, because you know, it, it, commitment is just like love. It's an action. It's not, it's not just a word. You say, I'm committed. Well, how, how, do, how do you show, how do you, how do you manifest your commitment to God? What, is that, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Uh, and it's a hard answer uh, to give. Uh, because, you know, people are at different levels. But, but we, again, I just, I just started doing it. I said, we're all at different levels. But every single, every single born-again Christian should be a living sacrifice. Should be 100% absolutely committed um, to God. Let me say, let me say this, because uh, some of you might not be back tonight. Um, one, of the, one of the problems that we have in, in Christianity as a whole uh, is um, how Christians treat one another. Uh, the Bible says we're supposed to love one another. We're uh, to, to uh, love our brothers and sisters in Christ. God places a great premium on that. In fact, he says, um, people will know you love me if you love your brothers. Uh, so if you're a Christian, it's like, you know, I love God, but I hate my brothers, or I love God, I hate going to church, I, uh, you know, I just don't like being around Christians or whatever, uh, you have a spiritual problem. Uh, and uh, and, um, and it, it might be that you don't have the love of God in you. Uh, and those are telltale signs. So he says we're supposed to uh, love one another, prefer one another, 
pray for, uh, bear one another's burdens, uh, and, uh, and on and on, uh, he, uh, he gives us uh, this, uh, this idea. Uh, but um, uh, the, the commitment that we have for God um, comes into play. So if uh, somebody uh, who um, they want to live for God and they're committed, and their commitment looks like, you know, they go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, if they're more committed, they, they go on a Wednesday night. If they're, if they're more committed, they might go for the revival meetings. Um, I, I might read, I might read uh, my Bible, um, you know, every now and then. I know I'm supposed to read it every day and, uh, you know, and meditate on it. The Bible says to study to show myself approved unto God. Uh, and I know that's in the Bible, but, but I, you know, I struggle getting into it. So when I read it, uh, I might read a few verses or I might read a book of Proverbs. Somebody who is more committed uh, might read, you know, uh, 30 minutes a day or an hour a day. Or they might do the 90-day Bible reading program because they're really committed. And so we have in this idea, there's just levels, there's just levels of commitment. There's some people who are into stuff. There's some people uh, that aren't. There's people who are, uh, the, we use the phrase bought in uh, to their Christian life. And there are others uh, who are not. But here's what I, I want to challenge you not to do. If somebody's level of commitment and no matter what that looks like, because it has to look like something. Because you can't just say I'm committed and that, and that fly, because it, it doesn't fly in any other area of life. Uh, it doesn't fly in our Christian life either. Because uh, God says you're a cross-bearer, you're, you, know, you live an exchange life, it's a sacrificial life, and that all means stuff, and he qualifies it. One of the ways he does say, what does a sacrificial life look like? Um, just briefly, um, uh, looking down uh, into verse number 9, he says, let your love be without dissimulation. So a sacrificed life is somebody who loves without being fake. Uh, and uh, and, they, and somebody who's, who's living a sacrificed life, who's committed, um, hates evil. Uh, they, they cleave to that which is good. So these are all things that we do that show that we're committed. Is everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Is this right in the Bible? Um, somebody said, you don't got to do anything to, sh- to show God, uh, you know, or prove anything. Uh, it, it just, ugh, I just, I want to pull my hair out. Um, because God in the Bible just lays these things out so plainly and clearly. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that messes up preachers is seminary. Um, it's like somehow the more Bible knowledge that they get, the, the less common sense they have. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I just like somebody gets, they're, they're just like fresh. They're just brand new. They get saved, man. Their life is a, a wreck and, you know, they got all these things. And they're just all, they get saved. They're like, they're excited about it. And they're just like, whatever. It's like, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know I should give up smoking? Right on. And they're excited about it. But it's the theologian who goes in. It's like, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke. And all these different stuff. And they whatever and begin. Here's the thing. If somebody's level of commitment, if that looks like more time at church or more time in the Word, um, maybe they, maybe they um, talk different, they look different, whatever it is. If someone's level of commitment for Christ is, is more than your level of commitment, their level of commitment is, is, is reasonable. Um, it's their reasonable service. If you just adopt a philosophy in life that you're not going to criticize uh, someone who's doing more for God than you are. That'd help you. 
Um, but, but we would, like, if it was a doctor who gave all their spare time reading medical journals and whatever to be the best doctor they could be, or uh, if it was an Olympic athlete who, athlete who, uh, who worked eight hours a day in the swimming pool or whatever and, uh, and, you know, and ate whatever they would eat uh, to be in shape for the... we say, man, that's something. That is awesome. Um, but somebody, but somebody you, you know, you're going on Wednesday night, you're weird. I don't need to go to church on Wednesday night to love Jesus. Are you following me? It's, if their commitment, they got one more standard you got, praise God for it. I said, praise the Lord. They're committed. And, uh, and then take a look back and say, maybe I need to be more committed. It might, not, it might not be the same way that they are. It might not look the same way or whatever. Uh, but, but are you committed? And the basis of that is the mercy of God. Uh, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So we'll get into it more tonight. A greater comprehension of what God has done for us, uh, the greater our commitment uh, would be. So practically, practically applied. Remember, it's theological, and then it's the doxological. Um, I said I was going to show you this. Uh, go to the book of Ephesians real quick. In the book of Ephesians... Um, verses, chapters 1 through 3 is all about theology, all about what Christ has done uh, for us in salvation. You get to chapter number 3 uh, and uh, verse number 20, there's this division uh, and uh, where 20 and 21 are the doxology. So he's laid out all the theological things and um, who we are in Christ and, uh, and how we're you know, predestined and all the different things that he says about the sovereignty of God. Verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's the doxology. He says, here's what God's provided, uh, and, uh, and it's unto him um, that we live, and, uh, and he uh, is going to do exceeding, it, to him be the glory I therefore, verse number one, chapter number four, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And then with all lowliness of mind, and he lays and he qualifies all that. He says, you've been saved, and here's what God has done for you. Uh, and, uh, and God uh, is to be praised and glorified, uh, doxology. And because of that, because of who he is and what he's done, you ought to walk worthy. Uh, of the vocation that he has called you in loneliness and in meekness and, uh, and, uh, and lays out how we're supposed to be, uh, how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to live because of what God has done. We can't get away from commitment uh, in the word of God. Uh, so practically applied, Christ's gift of salvation, his mercy, meditated on, accepted and taken to heart, um, is, a, is what's going to draw us into a deeper commitment for him. Um, I, I, I'm reading from Romans, Ephesians, we're laying out the case. As a 14-year-old, you know, I know everything. And everybody, you know, I just, I got life all figured out. Uh, and, and whatever, I get born again. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to know about justification, propitiation. Uh, I didn't have to know any fancy words or whatever. Jesus died for me. I'm going to live for him. It made so much sense 
Uh, it was because of his mercies. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I therefore beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies because you don't, des- you don't deserve that, Bob. Bobby at the time, that's what everybody called me. Bobby, you don't, des- you don't deserve salvation. And, I, and I, so I beseech you because of that, you give your life to me. So when I got saved, I got a Savior, but I also got a Lord uh, who I live for uh, each and every day. And by the way, you don't got to be a preacher to be uh, a committed Christian. Right. It's every, every believer, not just preachers. People think, well, walking worthy of the vocation, that's preachers. No, it's everybody. God's called you. Uh, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Number two, the character of that commitment we see uh, in uh, chapter number 12. And the second part of verse number one, I've got to hurry. Uh, and so I say, I'm going to give you these and we'll elaborate more tonight. Um, it's in the second, he says, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, so it's, it's uh, two prominent characteristics are given in this verse. Your commitment to God needs to be total and your commitment to God is reasonable. Uh, and, uh, and that's what your character should be. It's not, it's half-hearted commitment to God is irrational commitment. To say, God, here I am, you have all of me, and then to keep part back for yourself is irrational. Um, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, today, uh, Galena is going to get baptized at the end of the service, and when we get baptized, um, there's some churches that they give t-shirts. Maybe we'll do this one day, but it says, I decided to follow Jesus. When we get baptized, it's saying, I'm committing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to walk in newness of life. Uh, I'm dead to my old self, and I'm, I'm alive uh, to Christ. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Uh, it is testimony uh, to that. The totality of the commitment uh, that, uh, that the language in these verses explain um, is, is super simple. Uh, but we, but we, have to, uh, we have to obey it. And so he describes it as it's a, your living sacrifice, holy. So talk about holiness. Uh, and then, uh, which is also ex- acceptable unto God. And he's saying it's, not, it's, it's your worship, your sacrifice has to be acceptable to him. Um, and, and God uh, lays out in the Bible uh, that when we give God, you know, the, the blemished offering, when we give God less than our best, uh, he says, I don't accept it. Uh, and, and when we say, I'm a living, it, what we offer to God needs to be accepted, otherwise it's not worship. So whatever we do in churches, for example, we can sing, but, but it doesn't, it, it, some of that music is not acceptable to God. He doesn't accept that worship. The Bible says that there's prayer that, that Christians can make that's an abomination to him. Um, so just because we say I'm worshiping doesn't mean it's actual worship because it's not worship unless God wants it, likes it, accepts it. And he says because of his mercies, the character of it is that our commitment needs to be total commitment uh, and, uh, and it's logical. Uh, it is reasonable uh, sacrifice to him. Uh, and again, halfway commitment uh, is irrational. To get, decide to give part of your life to God and keep uh, other parts to yourself uh, is, is beyond spiritual logic. It makes no sense spiritually. But I have Christians constantly trying to convince me that it's spiritual. Uh, and so he says, uh, it's your 
uh, reasonable service. And so then we find the demands of the, uh, of the commitment. And by the way, there's demands uh, in the law of Christ. There's demands that Christ has laid upon us. Uh, and that's in verse number two. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, so we find two commands, first negative, one positive. Uh, he says, don't conform to the world. Uh, and, and here's how we, um, we try to parse out what worldliness is. And we can, we can fight about that all day long and say, well, this is, this is worldly. This is a worldly, you know, this is a worldly hairdo. This is a worldly, you know, uh, item that you could have. Uh, and, uh, and so when people what used to preachers would get up and say, bless God, you ought not, you know, be worldly minded uh, and, uh, and, and love not the world, either the things that are in the world, and they would tell you what those things are. And we go, whoa, time out. No, it doesn't mean that. It means the world system. Uh, or it says, um, and, and, and now, here's how, here's how we've been excused in a way worldliness for so long that we don't even see how dumb we are when we say it's the worldly system, and the worldly system is our culture. And so, so like, okay, let's find. The Bible says, love not, you know, love not the world. And if, if you don't want to put your finger on, it's, a, it's an item of clothing or, or whatever. It's a, it's a worldly system or worldly culture, culture. God says, don't be conformed to it. And, uh, and so he says, a living sacrifice, somebody who is committed uh, is, is, uh, is not, they're not going to be conformed uh, to, uh, to the world. But they'll be transformed uh, by the renewing of their mind, the metamorphosis. So here's what, that's positive. Uh, so he says part of, the, uh, of this, the demands of the commitment is that I put off and put on, uh, that I, I don't conform to the world uh, and its things and its cultures and whatever. Uh, and uh, what do we, everybody acknowledges we're fighting what kind of wars? Culture wars. And, uh, and, and everybody buys into it. Right now is, is National Virtue Signaling Month. Uh, and, uh, and, it's, and it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, but you don't buy into it, not if you're a committed Christian. You don't buy into that stuff. You don't conform to the, the, the culture of this world. You're, you're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This world's not your home. Uh, and so he says that the demands of this commitment, uh, a negative one, don't conform, but then also be transformed. Uh, and then uh, the effect of it in the last part, and again, we'll elaborate tonight. So please come back. Uh, and the last part, he says, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know, um, this is, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's right here in here, this verse. And then we're going to be done. Um, the reason some of you can't figure out the will of God is that you're not committed to him. Simple. You're just, you're frazzled. You don't know what, uh, up and down or whatever. Uh, the Bible says that if you present yourself a living sacrifice to him, uh, uh, holy and acceptable, don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God uh, is sanctifying you and, and doing all the things that God and the Holy Spirit does. He says then, you know, that you may, you do that, that you may understand uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect uh, will uh, of God. Uh, and so the one who is committed to God sees life uh, with a sure eye, <laughs> uh, you know, while the careless and uncommitted uh, are in confusion. Um, one who is committed knows God's will. There's nothing greater than knowing God's, that you're in the center of God's will 
uh, and, and knowing how to perform that or do that, and it all comes through commitment. So all that to say, um, this benchmark verse for everybody, um, we're all supposed to be 100% committed, all in. It's reasonable. You're like, oh, man, that's like, that's a big ask. It's reasonable. It's not a big ask. He died for you. And you don't belong to you. So you're like, well, I deserve and I'm me and, uh, and on and on. Uh, it kind of reminds you of Satan, the five I wills of Satan. I will, I will, I will. Uh, and, uh, and the committed Christian, they set that language aside because they, they understand when I got born again, I was, I was purchased. And, and it's not about me, it's about him. It's to him and through him and by him and for him and for his glory. Uh, and, uh, and because I'm saved and by the mercies of God, I present my bodies and I, and I try to walk worthily and, uh, and acceptably and worship him with my life. And the greater my commitment, uh, the greater my consecration. Uh, the greater, the more I'm separated, uh, the more it's, it's like you're, you know, a, you're a spiritual athlete who has dedicated your life to run in a race that you may obtain. Uh, and, uh, and he lays it all out there. So that's my question today. Are you committed? Yes, pastor, I'm committed. Okay. Prove it. Like, how are you committed? What does that mean to you? Does that, does that mean, is commitment to you like one service a week? Is, is, commitment, is commitment to you just maybe reading your Bible once every three or four days? Is total commitment, does, that, does, does total commitment mean that? No. Uh, and uh, and so, so you can say, well, total, total commitment is, you know, you know, all you do all day long is read and pray. And, uh, you know, and you're in poverty uh, and you love it and you're just, you're just totally, you and God are like this and you just, all you do is, is that. Now, if, some, if you know somebody that's, that's what they do, praise God for it because their level of commitment is different than yours. And I'm just saying, you don't got to be that person, um, but whatever total commitment looks like to you in every other area of life, you're committed to your spouse. You're committed to your family. You're committed to your job. You're committed to whatever. You're committed to, you know, you're committed to the Seahawks. It doesn't matter if they never win a game. That's my team. I'm, I'm 100% committed. So you paint your garage, your car, your whatever. You buy the jerseys. And everybody knows you're a super fan because you're committed. But can, can people tell they see our light shining? It's just very simple. I got it when I was 14. And, uh, and it's been a benchmark. But the thing is, you might not have got it when you're 14. You might be 44, 84, whatever you are today. Um, but it's in the Bible. Uh, and you need to be 100% committed. And it is reasonable. So just ask yourself, am I as committed as I ought to be? And if not, make it right. Get to the altar and pray, God, I need to be more committed. Um, because it's so plain. And uh, help me to be, uh, should be our prayers. We stand together today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And, and, uh, and we just take some of the, uh, most, the deepest, most theological verses in all the Bible. Uh, and in such a simple way, we realize that, Lord, uh, I am not a living sacrifice.